Hi, and welcome to the cast. We're super excited that you're listening to this conversation about life, culture, and Jesus. And we encourage you to like, share, and ask us questions. Please remember that the views expressed on the cast are those of the people expressing them and may not reflect the views of our church. With that said, enjoy. We are back here on the cast with one of my favorite people in the whole wide world and someone we've been really looking forward to having on for a long time. And that is, of course, the Holy Spirit. And that is, of course, <laughs> Ivan Chung. Oh, shucks, here, Sam. What an introduction. Ivan Welcome, Ivan. Awesome, guys. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure. It's uh, great to be here and be able to weigh in and hear you guys out. Yeah, so Ivan, um, just for those of our listeners that don't know you so well, who are you? What's your story? Uh, what do you do in our church? What do you do professionally? Just tell us a little bit about that. So um, in my day job, I work as a registered psychotherapist in Ontario. I am a private practice owner, um, and I focus a lot on trauma-informed therapy, but I'm also a generalist. I work with people who have general anxiety, depression. I do some assessments in partnership with psychologists, and I've been doing this for three to four years. Um, some would say that my work with the church is my side hustle, but it is completely free <laughs> hours that I offer as the worship coordinator for our church C3 KW, and it's a delight. It's a, it's a delight to be able to do that. Sometimes I feel like I do my psychotherapy job as my side hustle, and being able to volunteer for my job at the church is my full-time focus. It's Amen. great balance. Yeah. We love to hear that, of course. Ivan, where did you uh, learn about psychotherapy? Where did you study? Kind of what's your educational background? So I uh, grew up in North Toronto. I was an immigrant, and then I moved to North Toronto, and then I studied at Ryerson, my BA there, and then uh, eventually I studied at Tyndale Seminary, somewhat well-known in our area here. I studied clinical counseling there, uh, worked with some students in psychotherapy contexts, and then I got registered in my college. Uh, I thought I was going to stay in Toronto forever, but KW, forever. Yeah, all right. <laughs> you mentioned you went to Tyndale, so do you have like a, a strong kind of theological background, would you say? I would say so. I would say so. I would say most of my Christian clients that come and do request some kind of integration between faith and psychology, which I love to do when it's helpful for the person's psychotherapy process. I'm sure we're going to dive into that a little bit and tease it yeah. apart and mix it all back together as a toss salad. But <laughs> I also have lots of clients that come from different faith backgrounds or no faith background. And it's a really interesting work allowing my theological understandings of the human person to inform the way I work with someone's psychology and, and help them as their psychotherapist. Um, there's a whole world there. So love yeah. to do that work too. Yeah, totally. And just so people maybe have a better understanding of psychotherapy and kind of what you do, like if I was one of your longtime clients, what would maybe an hour long session with you look like? Oh, that's such a good question. So it does look a little bit different depending on the kinds of therapy that I do. But when I work as a generalist for someone who's looking for supportive therapy or talk therapy, I'll do a little check-in in the beginning and understand a bit about um, the way their weeks were. I've always been, I've been taught and I learned from my supervisors that everything you need to know about a client, you figure out in the first five to 10 minutes because they will tell you. They could just tell you that they woke up a certain way and you could really understand that. And, and more than what they're saying too, you're, you're looking at the way they're presenting things, you're trying to understand them um, in comparison to the baseline of, of how they usually are. And then also just, I would also say following prompting, right? Like being prayerful of my clients and, and understanding and being able to intuit, but also follow prayerfully mm -hmm. where that session goes, right? And then, it, and then it really breaks down into what kinds of therapy I'm doing. Because contrary to the naked eye, there are lots of different kinds of psychotherapies and psychological therapies that mm -hmm. I can really geek out about. Right. I'm going to I'm going to get scolded if I don't ask this question. Mm -hmm. So how much does knowing and understanding body language come into play when you're kind of making those reads on people like are you really good? Have you taken any kind of special courses on 
just not reading body language? Because I, w- I have not taken any special courses in reading body language. I know that on, I know everyone's talking about the Enneagram now, but I, I follow mostly the Myers-Briggs personality test, bit of an old school guy. Yeah. Although I love the idea of the Enneagram. Mm. What, uh, what, uh, what are you actually, if I may ask? Yeah, sure. I guess this re- if any people who are in therapy with me, this reveals something about me. So stay <laughs> tuned. But I am an ENFP. Uh, and I set that up because I'm an N at a hundred percent. So technically I function only on intuition, sometimes to my demise. Mm. Um, but I am supposed to, uh, according to this therapy, uh, according to this kind of personality test, I'm highly intuitive. So I think according to life, that's true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it also means that I'm lacking a lot of concrete elements and being able to follow procedures. So one of the hardest things for me is to read a manual from steps one through 99 in order. Like that is one of the hardest things yeah. for me to do. Yeah, I'm Pretty, there, I'm yeah. right there with so you. So as an intuitor, those things I, I tend to miss out and I really have to learn to, f- we, we say in our world, function out of our preference and still do sometimes. Cause sometimes mm-hmm. in life, you gotta read the steps in order. Does the end mean like we're not as good at administrative tasks? Not necessarily, no. right? I've been a master at administration. So. But yeah. see, I do it very wildly, and I would have no idea how to teach someone what I do, okay. right? Because I do okay. a very, I, I go about even step-by-step tasks very intuitively, right? Mm-hmm. right? I will lay out all my clothes some days in the order that I need to put them on so that when I wake up, I can intuitively put them <laughs> on, right? I'll set it up so I don't have to think in steps, right? Right, right. So I guess the big question that... Uh, that we want to get to tonight, and I'm going to word this as broadly as I can, is... Did you like the Hillsong concert? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I was weeping and weeping. Was, that, right. was that not the big question? That was not the big question, oh, but you right. know what? We're going to go here. We're going to go I'll here. Go we're going to talk about Hillsong, because actually all three of us were at the Hillsong well, concert. Pastor Mike, you were right there beside me with your outstretched arms. Did you not see me falling apart? Maybe you were too consumed with your own I was experience. just totally in love with Jesus, so I didn't look at you. No, he was, he was a mess. It was great. So awesome. it was a very private moment. That that feels better for me. That I was not so you were, seen. You were really vulnerable there. I actually, at one point, I don't think you guys saw me, but I did look back and I saw. I clearly identified um, one of the C three guys. I could I could see him. I saw him first, and then which I, one? I was it Josh over. Ray? I believe it was. I believe it was. Yes. I was like, oh, I recognize that guy. And then I saw uh, a bearded fellow, which was of course Pastor <laughs> Mike. And then next to him was Ivan. Um, and then the non-bearded fellow. Yeah, m- shorter than Mike too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but where, yeah, where were you sitting? We were sitting uh, in front, like to more towards the stage, but lower. But like on the same side as us. Same side as you guys. Oh, yeah, cool. I think I sent you a picture, Ivan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, as I was trying to get your attention. I was actually going to take a Snapchat of you guys, but then all the people behind me would have thought I was like <laughs> creeping on them. <laughs> oh, hi, buddy. Oh, we have a guest. Hey, Henry. Hey, My Henry. son is here. Cool. So for you guys, would you say you, you received the Hillsong concert as a full-on worship experience that you were just you were just right in there connecting with God? Was that how it was to you? I, I would say that I... In, I in, I enjoyed my personal worship experience, and then I had lots of structural thoughts about what I was seeing around me that I attempted to make sure it didn't distract me, but failed at other times. Mm-hmm. Don't you find that, like, because you're a worship leader, that when you go to other worship events, it's hard to turn that part of your brain off? You're always kind of, like, thinking about it? Well, I actually view my administration and creativity for worship production as like worship so i actually loved learning from the music that i was seeing and being able to understand that like that is worship Mm -hmm. i definitely try to not let that consume me because that's not the only facet of worship in my life um but i think I, I was honestly just distracted by some of the people around me because there were lots of different people doing lots of different things. I shared this. That's with, true. Mm-hmm. I shared this with Pastor Mike that I saw people basically like eating like bowlfuls of like popcorn and drinks, and it was just so <laughs> odd to me. Yeah. And then I saw people who like were on Instagram scrolling and all the songs that they didn't know, and then only stood up for like oceans or something like that, which was just the <laughs> oddest thing I ever observed. Um, I mean, this is these are strong words, but I was yeah. a little disgusted by yeah. it actually. Oh, okay. Um, okay. So I don't want to conflate all of that or, or blend all of that with some of the positive personal experiences I had because I had wonderful moments of just worshipful experiences, but it was also more than that and sometimes in some ugly ways. It was a toss salad of experience. 
I would describe that as well because I think like uh, many podcasts ago now when Leo was on, <laughs> I talked about, you know, is it a worship experience or is it a concert? And I think I've kind of landed on it, but it's not the answer. Well, actually, simple. Ivan was talking about to me too. You're like, I don't like when people call this a worship concert, right? What, what do you prefer it is called? I, I don't like it to be called a worship concert, but I do not deny that that's what it is, you know? Yeah. Considering the aforementioned popcorn yeah. and sitting and scrolling <laughs> on Instagram, right? Yeah. I think, like, it really is up to the person attending how they receive it. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like, so I was there, and I think after the first three songs, I was, like, the really cynical part of me that was thinking about this question was, like, <laughs> yep, this is a concert. Because they play, it's opened with, like, Ready or Not, which is not a worship song. It's about God, but it's not a song that is, like, we would hear on Sunday morning. Like, I doubt you would lead that song. It's um, is that the one that says come? Yeah, yeah. It's very. Why, com- why, that's very. It's very, kind of like, within the line of, of a benediction, though. Maybe it's how you usually do a call to worship. So Maybe, it is but it, worship it's not a song I could see being sung in our church. It's not very congregational. It's kind of fast, in my opinion. Like I just, you know, I put it in the same category as uh, Future Marches In from that. Hmm previous album i think it depends on what you're trying to accomplish right there are some songs that we sing that i've heard the podcast talk about because i do listen to the podcast but (laughs) you know they're not meant for everyone to sing along with right Mm. um and then there are some songs that i do not introduce because they're not meant for everyone to sing along with i do want everyone to sing along with in some other songs right so yeah and like so with that song in particular though I was receiving it. I was just kind of watching and observing it. It wasn't really a song I knew super well, so I wasn't really singing along to that one. I was like, okay, here I am at a concert. And I actually, I kind of, I would compare overall the experience of being at Hillsong United to like the Christian version of attending an Arcade Fire concert. That is very much what it felt like. I even joked on Twitter that, um, and this is only for people You that, still use Twitter? Yes. Just kidding. It's only for people that really like know Arcade Fire that Joel Houston reminds me of uh, just like a Pentecostal Wynn Butler. Um, that's, and he, he, like, look him up. He looks very similar. Um, he's got the long hair. He, um, you know, hmm. he's tall. So, like, I kind of disagree, not really with the Arcade Fire thing, because I, no, I have no idea who... I know, I've heard of RK Fire, but I've never seen them hurt their music, I don't think. Maybe I have. I can't believe Pastor there, Mike the Canadian just outed himself and said he doesn't know Arcade Fire. I can know the name, I, but I, if, you, if I play a song and someone said, who is it? I, I'm pretty like, sure their singer actually uh, competed in the celebrity all-star game one time, like at the end for the NBA. Oh, that's great. Basketball Anyways, yeah. that's not the point. The point being is, um, I think that the way they opened it was trying to evoke a worship experience. With that song, right? I can kind see of, that. Kind of yeah. meet everybody, no matter where you came into the room. Come and bring yourself to this. My big issue with it is that it was so long. I could no longer worship. Mm. Which I know it's like it's a Pentecostal. Like we worship forever. Yeah, but it was like two hours. Right? It was really long. By the end, I was literally yawning. Yeah, it's like singing oceans and stuff. I'm like, I'm done. I'll still worship you, Jesus, because you're worthy. But like, it was just it, like that's where the line of I think concert and showcasing music yes. versus worship experience. I can do a three-hour concert, right? Right, three hour, worshiping for three hours. Yeah, it, that's exhausting to me. Why? Well, well, <laughs> that's not, not what I mean. It sounds so unspiritual to <laughs> say, but like, okay, stay, like worshiping in that way. In that way, hours. very motive, very in. Yeah, like it, it, like it's yeah. not meant to be passive, right? Yes. And so that's where I was like, you know. At, I think it was like a 10 o'clock. I was like, okay, it's been there on for about an hour at that point. And I was like, okay, this is good. Uh, there was like four times where I thought they were going to be done. I was like, oh, that was satisfactory. Like a good time. I felt like I connected with Jesus, you know, and then they just kept on going. And that's where I was like, okay, I think my emotional capacity has waned a little <laughs> bit here. Yeah. Um, to say that though, like I really, like I agree with what you guys have said. That kind of depends how you bring to it. You know how, how you're coming in the room. Am I coming here to have a an experience of music or an encounter with Jesus? Because I, I know that's the language that they used, which I appreciate. We would use the same language, actually, yeah. right? Very, very much. But um, I came into it, and I think because maybe of my role, I'm thinking about church all the time, and even have we've had these conversations, Sam and yeah. Ivan, and I talk about it all the time because he's our worship director, leader. Uh, coordinator, whatever title we have the, right now. I don't need a title. I just right. love serving Jesus. Amen, Amen. brother. Wow. Um, so, like, I think so I'm good. always on it that, like, I can, interestingly enough, in this case, detach from all the lights in the show and everything because I just know, like, 
it's just a conversation we have. It's not really who we are. And just enjoy the actual worship time. Um, so that's how I came into it. And the, the bigger distraction definitely was the fact that, yeah, like you're kind of seeing people check in and check out. Yeah. And way more evidently than like on a Sunday morning experience. Yeah, that's true. Right, yeah. I think. But overall, like, I don't know. The con- like the concert nature of it, I thought was actually really well done. Yeah, oh, I agree. Right, like yeah. the way that they strung together the songs, the arcs of emotion they hit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. The, the the right moments of like a throwback song, bringing yeah. it in. Like they really created a really good story and narrative of the night. And then the lights, obviously, they do a really good job creative-wise. Um, there are a couple of these like bar lights they had that were so bright that I... I actually really, really loved but and then the big screen and all that stuff yeah. so i think the elements of the production value as we know hillsong does was really well done one thing i kept thinking was like like that teardown team man <laughs> can't even imagine well they're paid i'm sure <laughs> well yes but like imagine even trying to do like a tenth of what they did yeah on volunteers that could be nuts that is wild yeah it's interesting hearing the different perspectives because for me, it was one thing, Pastor Mike saw me, I drank like five bottles of my water bottle that I actually took with me and I filled it up like five times, I had to go to the bathroom because as a vocalist, like I'm very aware of my vocal health, mm-hmm. right? So like I, it, it was, I, I could not sing like that alone for two hours, no, right? No but that's why they have that. a team and I imagine there are lots of moments where they're not really pushing their vocal ranges mm-hmm. because they have such a big group of people. Mm-hmm. Actually, that is probably the concert aspect that jumped out at me the most that I was most impressed with was the quality of the vocalists because I've seen a lot of bands and very few can sound like the record the way Hillsong can can really be on key and just exerting themselves to that degree and, and sounding well, in so that good, sense right? right like it's good art yeah it might not be your taste sense. of pop art right yeah. but like Jesus you know and their theology uh, demands be- behold, deserves the best right behold connects me with Jesus so I, I sang extra loud for that song. So so on that note, though, that was actually what was in it for me as like a worship leader that I so often like offer my voice to set up someone else's moment. I felt like the Hillsong United team was there actually to set up my moment to actually enjoy yeah, some worship. And I yeah. had some beautiful moments. I mean, my theology of worship, too, is I think it's an embodied thing. There's something about the voice ringing in our body and sitting with the words and sitting with the notes. And you guys can hear me not in therapy, but like in like real life i'm a very fast talker but there's something about singing a song and letting each word just kind of hanging on to them and feeling feeling them ring in your body right like yeah. i feel like that's a part of the things that i get lost when i'm just setting up someone else's moment when i can experience that for myself mm-hmm. right that's awesome yeah no I'm, I'm glad that like it was an opportunity for you ivan to be fed and that you did connect with it in such a strong way because i that's true you are sunday after sunday really just uh, doing what you do for the good of and benefit of other people, um, but now for someone else to, to do that for you and for and to do it so well too, I am sure that must have been amazing for you. Yeah, soul got fed, mm-hmm. our bellies got fed. Sure did. Get some libretto pizza. It was next level. I gotta say, do, like an altar call happening in like an arena of twenty thousand people was pretty cool. Oh yeah, yeah, that part. Yeah. You forgot about that part, didn't you, Mike? That was like one of the parts that stood out to me. So, yeah, hey, and people got saved. That's right. We believe. We believe. I, I'm sure. I'm sure. Like, not all the hands were first-time salvations, but I mean, if people responded and got something out of it, I'm sure some of them were. So, yeah, and Compassion Kids life, got sponsored. Yeah. Hopefully, right? Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, so that the, the church elements they brought in were were quite nice. That was cool to see. Yeah. Overall. Yeah. I enjoyed my time. Yeah, I, I got my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a terrible, such a capitalist way of appraising the experience, but I'm glad I went. There we'll you go, that guys, way. there you go. So the big question, the actual big question, and that was a great discussion, thank you. Um, but for me, I was just thinking about this. Where does psychology end and spirituality begin or where does spirituality end and psychology begin what's the intersection of those two things i think it's something i've thought a lot about myself um just as i had learned more about my faith and 
continue my walk with God and also become more self-aware and learn more about my brain too. It's kind of, that's a like complex question that's hard to untangle. And maybe I'm not even asking the right question there, but what do you guys think? I, I think there's so many different ways to flesh out that query, right? Um, the first thought that comes to my head is that you can, I, I even think, I'm not a psychologist, I'm a registered psychotherapist, but with what I know about the DSM-5, which is their diagnostic manual, which is fairly new, right? They even are starting to recognize that spirituality is an essential part of um, healthy psychological and emotional functioning, right? Mm. Um, whereas in the previous edition, it didn't even acknowledge spirituality. When I do psychological assessments with the psychologist, we ask, like, what's your spiritual background? Because we have to know what is the spiritual health of that person, right? Yeah. That's probably more of like the psychologist that I work for, our term for it. Other secular psychologists might not say the spiritual health of someone, but I think... Uh, well, even most of the hippy-dippy psychologists and psychotherapists talk about spirituality, but they might just talk about something a little more hippy-dippy, right? Um, that might not be so, like, theologically based. Um, but I will not name them my name and say who. I, I still love working with them, right? Um, so, so I think for a part of healthy spirituality and psychology, they need to have a bit of both. But I think it's important not to confuse one for the other, right? Right. Well, that was my question then for you is kind of like a definition of terms, right? What do we mean when we say spirituality? What do we mean when we say psychology? I feel like, like sort of what you just said there too, even with like a psychologist and a psychotherapist and the differentiation there. Um, and then, you know, even by the nature of, of counseling or clinical you know, research and all these different aspects of that psychological world versus uh, a spiritual side. Cause I think that's where maybe there's confusion potentially for people's is are having to argue not argue wrong word having to figure out wrestle with those those lines because it gets into the theology it could get into the, the theology of you know are we you know body mind and soul are we just body and spirit like all, even like the way that human beings are broken down so in your mind when you ask somebody you know what is when you when like I, or maybe or maybe better yet when you're asking them in that assessment or that moment like what is your spiritual background um, or when you interpret, not that you have to interpret, but when you, you say that DSM-5 is recognizing spirituality, like what do you mean by that specifically? Mm -hmm. So Pastor Mike, you're asking about the operational definition of these things, right? So when we say these words, what do we actually mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Uh, I don't know that um, I memorized the dictionary definition, but I know what I mean mm -hmm. when I say spirituality yeah. and what I mean by psychology, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And even when I thought about how we're gonna discuss this in the podcast today, one of the first things that came to mind is something that came in my training at Tyndale, right? I had one of my psychology professors remind us, right? You would not, how do they put it? They said, you would not want a theologian to do your root canal, right? <laughs> You'd want your dentist yeah. to do your root canal. But it doesn't hurt if your dentist happened to know about theology and was theologically trained. That's not going to hurt. No. Right? Yeah. So when I think about working as a psychotherapist, I am trained as a psych psychotherapist, right? I know a lot about emotions. I know about cognition. I know about trauma. I know how they operate, right? I know the moving pieces, right? And I think it helps me that I have a theological background that can inform that and make that even more robust, yeah. right? Yeah. But some people would disagree with me, some maybe even like more biblical counselors, um, but I don't think a theologian should provide psychotherapy, right? Mm. I don't want a dentist to do my root canal, <laughs> right? So um, that's kind of one way of answering the question of, you know, understanding. I, I think when I work with someone at my psychology practice, it is psychological work, right? It is psychological therapy, right? Uh, I have clients that ask me to pray for them. And I said, you might want to go pray with your prayer team. You know, like uh, I, I do pray for you as, as a Christian, but this is not spiritual direction. I'm here to work with you on your emotional health. Right. right? Well, even in that, so how do you, how do you differentiate emotional health and spiritual direction? Because this is where I think I would push, push into those definitions of like the idea of the soul, right? In, in the spirit in the New Testament, right? The, the, the psyche from which this idea of psychology comes from in our Christian worldview, those things, the mind and the emotions and the trauma, right? We, we don't really, we don't really separate them out 
often and maybe for good or for bad things, right? Like I, because this is where I would say if someone came to me and said, Mike, you know, I got in a car accident and I have post-traumatic stress disorder, right? I would say I'm not an expert in dealing with that. There are people trained in that work, right? Um, and so to me, there's, it kind of falls on a layer. Maybe I'm agreeing with you just in a roundabout way of the expertise of learning how to deal with certain traumatic or sort of emotional stunts or something like some woundedness in a sense that there's, we actually need, we've discovered in our research, there's certain clinical things that can be done. Although that still to me is a very spiritual action. So actually that that's where I actually would not say, I would say that you actually are doing a lot of spiritual work, right? But because I can secularly point it, this is an emotional thing, right? Because our soul is full of emotions, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. So that's where like, yeah. I think the blurred lines are only because we become more secular as a people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and spiritual direction for me should include maturing health of the emotions coping we've talked about stress management and it's where those go into a sort of a traumatic or you know a certain gradient of of negativity that someone who has not studied you know extensively to deal with those things should be practicing that's where someone like an ivan who's literally studied to help in those traumatic cases should move in right the way that, like you said, if someone started questioning you about how do we reconcile the justice of God in the Old Testament to the grace of God in the New Testament, you'd be like, go talk to a theologian. Talk to Pastor Mike. Right? Like, so I think there, there, there's, it's, it comes down for me a lot in the level of expertise, right? Does that make sense? It might, yeah, I, I, do, I, don't, I don't disagree with any yeah. of what you've said. Okay. Right? Cool. I think I consider what I do at my practice ministry, mm-hmm. right? And I'm, yeah, I'm ministering to people's emotions, right? Um, maybe a more psychotherapist way of putting it would be just the goals of the clients, right? Some of my clients are highly spiritual and they're, and they're processing things in a, like a spiritual way, mm. right? So as long as I could facilitate in the psychological realm their spirituality, I think that's, I think that's good psychotherapy, right? I think when my clients are looking for me to provide them a spiritual experience. I let them know I, I'm not here to provide that for them, but I recognize the power of that. Yeah. Right. So I, th- I, I think having role clarity is really important because, you know, I, I've gone for prayer and had really powerful experiences that I don't think I could get from my own psychotherapy, right? But I've also been able to work out things and reprocess things with my psychotherapist that I don't think I would go to a prayer team with. But am I gonna ask for prayer in that area in my life? Absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Am I go, gonna go get my psych- psychotherapy in, in those same areas that I pray for? Exactly, I am gonna do that, right? Um, yeah, what do you guys think about that? No, that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, actually, one thing I'm curious about that you mentioned, Ivan, um, mm-hmm. It is like this idea of biblical counseling. Like, have you had interactions with people who do biblical counseling? Because, and like, do you feel like the, uh, what you do is like compatible with that? Kind of along these lines of what we're talking about, this like holistic approach to to everything. Oh, that's a hard one to answer. Um, well, how about I'm, how about can you maybe explore how you've done with me a bunch? The difference between therapy and then counseling and how that maybe can help clarify that a yeah, little Yeah, that's where I would I would start. I, the biblical part is its own thing, but the counts I like to delineate the difference between counseling and psychotherapy, right? right? Okay. And to put it in layman's term, I find counselors that I've talked to are there to give me advice, right? They're there to give so, tell someone this is what you should do in this situation. Look at verses A, B, and C, right? And I find psychotherapy is actually the opposite of that. Psychotherapy is really there trying to understand the idea of, I'm not you. I don't know what to do. I'm not the one in emotional distress. I know about how emotional distress works, right? But I'm not you, right? What would what do you need to do? Let's explore what you need to do to advocate for yourself and I will make the way with you. One of the biggest images that I give to a lot of my clients is They'll come in saying, well, Ivan, you're the doctor. And I tell them very quickly, I'm not a doctor, right? Uh, but they'll say, you know, you know where to go. You know how to solve this problem, so solve it, right? Actually, a lot of people that are not, uh, that are of my culture from like an Asian background, an East Asian background, um, they, they see us as experts and um, they're gonna want us 
to give them the best solution. Yeah. Right. And I'll tell them, I'm not the driver in the car in this image. Okay. You're the driver. I'm the passenger. But I will always help you notice what's going on around you as you're going on this very routine ride. No one can keep their eye on their blind spot the whole time when they're driving. Well, you、mm. crash your car, right? So, you, so you drive, but I'll navigate and I'll be your GPS. I'll let you know what the temperature is, what the、mm. what the what the change in the terrain is. We can、yeah. we can stop, we can get out, we can check out this panorama that you've never stopped to appreciate, right?、Mm. So I actually think that's a much more helpful. Picture of what psychotherapy actually is, whereas I find counseling can be. This is maybe stating my bias, but a little bit invasive, right? And saying I know better than you, you should do this. Oh,、right? okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, I think most good counselors wouldn't quite put it like that. I would say, by nature of giving advice, you're doing that. Keeping in mind, in a lot of places in the world, they still call it counseling, and they're actually doing psychotherapy. It's understanding that in our Province psychotherapy is regulated, right? So now it is an official health college. But I know lots of places in the states where they talk, call themselves licensed health counselors and things like that. So then, see, this is where maybe because I fill the role often of pastor and shepherd,、mm-hmm. where I would I come at it from that counselor side of it, right? Where、yeah. my bias is, you know, in the、um, council of many, there's a bunch of wisdom. Right, in that we actually want to seek counsel and we should want to do certain things, but within within the realm of where people are proven to be like helpful, right? Experts is a very technical term, I think, but like people in your case, Ivan, who have studied how to navigate through emotional trauma, for example,、mm. um, I would I would hope to. I would hope to seek out help from you in that in that sense, whereas it, like spiritual direction、um, tends to be, and this may be where the the、um, for lack of you know clarity maybe where we can pull that out. At least I found tends to be more on、um, dealing with what we as a community of faith would consider sins or places where we're not looking like Jesus quite yet. Yeah. And so the spiritual counselor's job or spiritual director's job is to come in and kind of. In a, in a soulful sense, right? Although my definition of soul is is the the unifying thing of the person. It's it includes all different parts、um, that we we sort of assess. Okay, where are you falling short of God's you know desire for your life, and what are the disciplines that we can put in place to see you in that direction?、Um, versus a where I think and I don't think you said these words, but you know versus a more self discovery model of. Let me just help you see it for yourself, and we've talked about that outside of the cast. How you know I tend to be a little more invasive in that sense. If someone comes to me and says, "Hey, what's going on?" I'm like, "Here's a verse. Here's a principle. Here's an idea. Try it out."、Um, but I think that's probably that more spiritual direction side of me coming out,、um, because I think there there is, especially as a preacher, right? There is those imperatives we need to lead people in. That makes、uh, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying, and I feel like so I have a good relationship. I think with both you guys, we've both talked about a lot of different things, and I definitely would say Mike <laughs> shapes my understanding of like right living, and you know how how my sort of what my Christian walk should look like, and and what I should be pursuing. But that's difficult, <laughs> and Ivan helps me make sense of that. <laughs> that is, and and you know, kind of reassure me that it's you know. It's this is why I'm feeling this way as I navigate through that. So I don't know. That'd be well, my and that, experience. And that's where I think this conversation really is only happening in a secular world. Because I think if you actually trace through the history of,、um, like, modern psychology, where it's come from and what it was, and and what the church sort of thought of soul care initially, right? I think pastors. Good pastors, I would say, did the work of both of those things often,、mm. right? That the idea of the soul and how the soul and this, like, if you go back and read some of the Desert Fathers, some of the monks, right, and try to exploring the depths of the human condition, right, that was what the church did. Yeah.、Um, and now in the modern world, right, where we we were able to say, you know, actually, there's this part of us that we can kind of isolate this emotional development. Like when I studied, I did a minor in psych in, in school, 
And so obviously that's nowhere near <laughs> um, an expert level of anything. But it focuses often a lot on right how to how to develop as a human being. Usually it's somewhere in the emotions, the trauma, the things like that as a part of us. Yeah. Right. Um, but as Ivan and I have talked about a lot, like our emotions are like they affect everything. So again, it's trying to isolate this thing that affects everything else. And and I find that what we do now is for essentially psychology has become a secular soul care. Yeah. How do we deal with the inner world? We're trying to remove some of that overt theological or spiritual thought. But and that's why I would actually agree with Ivan that probably his robustness that we, you and I experience all the time comes mm. because it's not just what we would consult psychotherapy or psychology. It's actually a, a healthy rooted spirituality that's integrated, like the fully integrated person a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you guys can imagine when I have a non-Christian client, I have lots of Christian clients, but also my non-Christian clients, when they come to me and say, for example, Ivan, you know, I've got the paycheck, you know, I've, I, I've got the family, you know, but I just still feel so empty. Like, what more is there? And of course, I have some restrictions by my health college and how much I can talk about my own faith. You can imagine how much that pains me as a person, yeah. as a Christian, yeah. right? Like that, yeah. that I, that's, that's not my moment to share my faith. But I also believe that all truth is God's truth. What mm -hmm. if I can help them confront that pain, right? And say, whoever, Bob, not real client name, right? Bob, like... I, I am in pain with you. I'm sharing this pain that you you have not discovered what you truly need, right? And I may even say, you know, even in the world of psychology now, we're talking about a healthy sense of spirituality. Like, where do you seek in that? Yeah. Right? So it all depends on, I mean, I'm checking for appropriateness. I'm checking for receptiveness of the client, right? Mm -hmm. um, but I also think it's more powerful if I can use God's truth, even if it's not directly from a Bible verse mm -hmm. in, you know, the ESV or whatever, <laughs> right? But still allow that moment to be shared with this person and not have it be my agenda, right? Yeah. Uh, and you can bet in those moments, I am praying as hard as ever, <laughs> right? Because I know it's not gonna be by my own power that a person's gonna transform in front of me, right? It's gonna be by their own and Jesus' power, right? Yeah. And would you say that in that moment, that's actually not psychology anymore? That that is a soul issue? I would say it is psychology, but actually I think my view on it is that it's about my own psychology, right? Do I need to be the rescuer and do I need to be the one that says a magic word that keeping in mind, they'll probably reject if I put it that way, because it's not the right time and place, right? Or is it about this person in process, unfolding, allowing themselves to just explore and anguish, right? And be confused, right? I think in that particular moment is more about my own psychology, right? And how do I manage this particular psychological moment with the person? My, and I'm in there, right? Mm -hmm. Like in the world of psychology, I don't know. I don't hear my, I, my psychotherapist friends talk about it enough, but I think about this all the time. We talk about this very complex idea called counter-transference, right? Transference would be when a client projects something onto me, and we all do this to our therapists. We're saying, I have these feelings, I'm gonna show them, and I'll project them at you, yeah. right? Counter-transference is when a psychotherapist takes that and they react in their own way without them even knowing it, like subconsciously, right, we would say, right? And mm -hmm. counter-transference is very bad, mm -hmm. right? Especially ones that we're not aware of, right? And I would say all of my clients give me some kind of transference, and I give all of my clients some kind of counter-transference that I'm always trying to manage, right? Because you have to be able to relate to people in front of you. You have to be real, right? But you have to consider strategically which real part you give them, right? Do I give them my Christian part? I do. Do I say the word Christian? No. I think I think that is that can be gospel. Not that I'm the gospel, but that like I think that could be a reflection of the gospel, mm. right? Wow. I feel like we can't have this conversation without diving into something that's maybe a little bit thorny. Um, but I'm sure it's something that you probably think about sometimes, Ivan, and that's of course spiritual warfare. And I'm like, I'm sure you have clients that come in that have engaged with, I don't know, the occult we'll say, or, or whatever, just, just to use a very stereotypical it's example. It's actually a true story. This has happened. Yes. I, I'm sure, I'm sure this has happened. Yeah. What do you, what do you do there? Like, is, can you tell them like basically just, Hey, you just don't get involved with the occult. Like, I'm sure you can't just tell, you, you can't dissuade them from their like beliefs or practices, but. Like, I will tell you that I'm praying for myself in that moment <laughs> for protection. Okay. Um, but I think composure is really important in that moment. Yeah. And I was also reminded early on in my training at Tyndale, you know, at the seminary that I have salvation, so I'm good. 
Like nothing can harm me. Like I have salvation, right? Do I sense the powers in the rooms when that happened? Yes, I do. But I, I, I got mine. Mm-hmm. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I think it's actually about. I mean, I'm always going to turn this back into myself. I think it's about working on myself and managing my composure and my confidence. You know, in it, that I can go into this fearless and help them work on their psychology. Right, mm-hmm. uh, and you can bet. I, I don't want to psychopathologize all of people who dabble into whatever crystals and <laughs> and occults or whatever. But um, are these people very happy? No, they're not very happy. Right? They 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 haven't really found the answer yet, and and they're in my office, right? Um, so again, that was a bit of a blanket statement that I might have to ask him to edit out after <laughs> because it could be taken out of context. But yeah. I also really believe it. Like these people are not very happy, right? So yeah. I'm there to work on their psychology, yeah, right? Very, I haven't yet had the experience where a person who has the occult will, will press that upon me. Yeah. Um, although I did have a client that told me they could predict the future, which was very hard to deal with because mm. that's like not very helpful. Oh, if they difficult. think they can predict yeah. the future, then I, I, can't, I can't help them change anything if they feel like they have it figured out. Mm. Right? Mm. I didn't see that person for very long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's where I think for me, and maybe this is hard because I'm not in the world of psychology, where I just like, I keep on hearing such like soul filled questions, right? Like of what we would call idolatry, right? That's driving a person, you know, or you even said for yourself, like the rescuer having to jump in that that's an idolatry, right? I want to be the guy when Jesus is supposed to be the guy, right? And, and so it just, I think that's where like, it makes me both, um, excited and confused <laughs> right because because it's all, all this work that i think is so good for the soul but yet at the same time I'm like well how are we like how are we truly delineating these things out because i still that's the hard thing for me is like because psychology is is all about the human process how we understand ourself right this, see right? i would i would say though the way you put that was so beautiful like i think if we're only ever purely excited about something then we're blind to the mysteries of something but if we're ever only confused about something there's no hope to be excited oh. but if you but if you put that together like how important is that tension to be ponderous? i love the way you're talking right right now, like Ivan. yeah you have to send that tension to discover more right but if there's nothing to be excited about then we're just gonna you know um we we talk a lot in the kind of therapy i do about helplessness right you freeze you know and and, and you don't you don't take action on anything but if you have a balance of the both or a tension of the both whatever that might be a balance of the tension if you want to put it right i think that's what helps us learn about ourselves and about god and i think and maybe for me the tension rests in the the idea of the ultimate source of that help Right, because giving coping mechanisms ultimately doesn't heal the soul entirely. Obviously, just reading the Bible doesn't ultimately heal the soul entirely. So I'm not saying like it's one for one, but like having someone who is—I don't even know a good example that's like appropriate, but you know, just something that is completely external. It was a traumatic moment, maybe it was an abuse situation, or you know, but they're dealing with just the normal stresses of life. They're not processing well we've talked about being emotionally stuck for some reason and you've explored different issues with them about you know parental relationships or you know upbringing or even faith community experiences things like that right and you know trying to teach them how to cope is one thing trying to you know as, as a counselor or a biblical counselor or a biblical director getting to read the bible and pray is another thing but at the end of the day right those woundednesses that they have theologically we would believe um, are meant to be healed in the realignment or reintegration of relationship with God fully, right? That's the ultimate source of the healing, right? So if I take a person um, and, and say like, you know, here, I've taught you how to cope with this issue, but really I haven't dealt with the fact that you have a deeper soul hunger, right? Like then that says to me that there still is this kind of gap there that I know it's Jesus is the answer, but like that idea of like, how do you as a therapist process that where I can give them a kind of help but maybe not the ultimate help if does that make sense like I'm I'm trying to process almost out loud with you a little bit on that Uh, I guess depends on your perspective I would say that they're not really all that different I feel like a I hope a good psychotherapist knows that just coping through things is not really going to erase problems right I would say that that if I can help my clients understand their 
is more than just their, by definition, psychological health, um, that we need to take care of our soul. There is soul care involved, mm-hmm. right? I think that's good psychotherapy, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think of a dentist, um, told, I'm going to use this dentist idea again, right? But like just told them, if you just brush your teeth and floss your teeth and get your root canals when you need them, then you're good. I think that's going to be ridiculous. I think even they would acknowledge you. Well, you still need to eat. You still need to mm. sleep, right? And hopefully one who's theologically trained would say you still need to pray, yeah. right? So I'm, I'm there as a specialist in psychotherapy, but I recognize that their power is greater than psychotherapy, right? Um, even if we're not talking theologically, you know, I mean, for the sake of diplomacy, but also because I believe this, like I will always defer to physicians because if there's something organically happening mm. to someone, I'm not going to say I'll just listen to you mm-hmm. and I'll listen to you <laughs> back into good physical health. Now, I have to say, I think somatically there are lots of physical problems that go along with our emotional mm-hmm. problems, so I will yep. treat that, yep. right? But I'm not going to contradict a physician or even a theologian, right, or a pastor uh, if they have good theology, right? Um, that's going to benefit the psychological and soul help, soul care of my client. Yeah. No, I, and I think that's where, for me, it's just like, I love, I love like the, the holistic approach to human soul. I just, I think, and this might be where it's almost like a personal thing because I get the opportunity to have coffee with a lot of people, we'll say, right? And you're almost always kind of wading in these murky waters of, you know, trying to help people get healthy holistically right sometimes yeah it is you need to go sleep bud you need to take a, a rest sometimes it is oh i think you sound like you're on the edge of depression maybe you should go see someone about them but but i feel like those are so interwoven maybe in my because like and maybe that's what i'm actually more wrestling it's actually like you said more about me right because i don't have like a like a like a physical trainer like i know the scope of that work where from for me as a pastor even in a sermon i think like a good sermon always has to kind of weave through the full person a little bit, right? Not just the individual, but the relational and the woundedness and the daddy issues and the things that we talk about that maybe that's more about me processing where I have to get better at helping people. Cause I think what you do is so awesome. Like if you guys don't know, he helps a lot of people with um, specifically accident trauma and things and just dealing with that and getting to the point where essentially there's almost like an emotional forgiveness of the trauma where you can look upon it, right? Without the same, hurtful emotions or negative emotions if i'm correct with, with the kinds of ther- the kind of therapy that i specialize in which is called i always love pumping this up i talk about emdr therapy a lot you're trying to help people access memories in a way that does not cause the distress hmm. it kind of sounds like magic but um you know one of the most exciting things that i love about this is i believe that god designed our brains to be able to process through trauma mm-hmm. we get stuck Right, but when we do EMDR, it actually helps our brains uh, in a more neurological, neuropsychological perspective be able to unlock some of these functionings where we go, yeah, you know, I endure this really horrible sexual abuse. A client might say, or I endure this really terrible flood, and I lost my dog or my my child or whatever. Speaking right? of dogs, speaking of dogs, right? There was my dog, um, and I think. Um, it's being able to access that and not just say I'm inadequate, right? I'm in danger, but be able to access those memories and say, I can handle it. I did my best, right? Because we're always accessing memories in our brains and they're always, you know, working, no problem. But it's when we get stuck in a memory Mm. and we can't access a a helpful way of thinking about the memory where we become traumatized, right? Mm. So I get really passionate about being able to help my clients reprocess that and unlock that, what I believe to be, a God-given design in our brain. Yeah, that kind of gets into the the philosophical query of the mind-body connection, right? Because you talked about the neurological side of us, which is deeply connected to the spiritual side of us, right? Like we are, you know, embodied minds, right? We are these mm-hmm. souls, these persons, and that correcting neurological things also affects, you know, um, spiritual things, and even as I haven't said, like sometimes our psychology and our internal processing actually affects our bodies physically. Like there is this connection and yeah. and how they relate and we aren't just neuro what? And how we're not just like neurons firing, right? But that's part of who we are. And that affects how we experience the world and and, and not allowing there to be this great divide of the person. This kind of like, you know, almost 
you know, um, dualism of, of the self where it's like, this is my physical, psychological, human part. And then there's this soul kind of ethereal, platonic mm, part. Yeah. No, we are, we are a one integrated being. I think that's where the, the theology and the psychology and the philosophy even of how do our bodies and our minds, our souls and our spirits connect together and, and how, yeah, we can isolate them. But ultimately, as, as I've been said, like the integration of the whole really is what we're after. And a key part of that, by the way, is, is getting therapy. And I feel like even just to maybe end this section, yeah. you know, to say, um, and, and it seems almost ridiculous, but I still think there still think there's a, a subtle stigma around getting therapy, especially in church, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That we should just say that this is part of emotional, healthy, even spirituality is to recognize that sometimes we need help outside of ourself, outside of personal prayer to learn how to process, to learn how to reprocess, to learn um, how to identify certain things in us. And then ultimately, it, yes, as the pastor, the theologian, me, to go to God with those things in community and individually. Um, and we should never be, we should never be ashamed of the fact that I got help. Yeah. I, I, my plug too would be, I think people wait way too long to be able to, to, to say, I'm going to go to therapy and deal with this thing. I think there's a lot to be said about wellness, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I, I'm a little biased in this cause I, I believe in what I do as a really essential part of health, but a lot of people don't go to psychological therapy and psych therapy because they're afraid. They're afraid mm-hmm. of what it's going to uncover and uncover our flaws. And yes, it doesn't cover our flaws, right? But it'd be the same as, you know, I'm not, you know, since this is a podcast, you guys can't see that I don't go to the gym, but I don't go to the gym, <laughs> right? But if I go to the gym, I need a personal trainer or someone who knows what they're doing to teach them how to do that. So why do we assume that the way that we grew up, we were all taught how to deal with our emotions? We weren't. Our parents aren't perfect, right? But somehow we can we can go and benefit ourselves and just work on ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that's where the goals of psychological therapy have to be really clear, right? Like some of my clients come to me, they say, you know, I actually do okay. And they actually are after I do my assessment, right? And they're like, I really want to just improve A and B. I go, those are really good goals. Let's work on that. Of course, I have some clients where I am doing very basic coping, right? And that's what they need. They need that supportive piece, right? So I think good psychological therapy where the client is a really good fit for the therapist and the therapist is a really good fit for the client Usually if the goals are clear, it can only benefit the Christian or the person mm. in front of me, right? Go get therapy, folks. I want to do a whole other How do you feel about that? Yeah. That's good. Yeah. We can do a whole second episode if you want to. Yeah. I would, I would, honestly, I'm down to do it. 